This is Unpacking Design, a podcast to help designers of all kinds better themselves in career, business, and life. Join me, Michael Valley, and my co-host, Tim Ong, as we unpack the problems designers face every day. Welcome to Season 2 of Unpacking Design, Life Lessons to My Younger Self. Each episode this season is a raw and unfiltered dive into what we wish we knew years ago. Since we can't turn back the clocks for ourselves, we hope that these masterclass discussions will help you on your own journey. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Unpacking Design. This is another episode in the 12-part series called Life Lessons to My Younger Self, where Mike and I will each be sharing six lessons that we've learned in our lives and careers so far. In the previous lesson, Mike talked about leaning into who you are and letting go of who you aren't. So if you haven't checked that episode out, make sure that you check that one out as well as all the previous lessons in this series. Today, I'll be talking about a lesson that I would teach to my younger self, which is planning less and doing more. This is something that I struggled with early on in my life and career because I used to be an over planner. So I'm excited to bring this lesson here and to share it with everyone else. The first mini lesson as part of this this lesson here is to find balance between planning and doing. Many of us fall to either side of the spectrum where we either get caught up in the planning process of anything and everything in our lives, or we don't plan enough before we actually pursue a project. I used to be an over planner. I would think through all of the details of a project in an attempt to come up with the best possible outcome with the precise steps to follow to get me there. The problem was, I never made it to the end of the planning process. Instead, I paralyzed myself and I wouldn't even pursue the project. The ideas of the projects were strong, but my over-planning made it a wasted effort. How do we stop over-planning for our projects and actually start pursuing them? For me, it's through experimentation. By experimenting with the right amount of planning and deciding to just start creating, I find that for me, I get to juggle and try my best to balance this whole idea of coming up with a plan for anything I'm trying to do. But at some point, just jumping right in and creating the thing that I'm setting out to create. To me, I feel like everyone has their own ratio of planning to creating. And at some point, it's going to fluctuate because we get more practice within our areas of design, expertise, and in our lives in general. With more experience comes better routines and self-awareness that will become a natural and unconscious part of our process. So right now, we're talking about this idea of over-planning. And Mike, knowing you for the amount of time that I have, I know that that was one of the issues that you used to run into. Now, it seems like you're starting to refine your processes and actually stop over planning. And instead, it seems as if you're learning how to execute more on all of your ideas and at least give them a try without having every detail spelled out. How do you how did you get from that moment of over planning to where you are now? Are there any tips that you can share? Yeah, so I think the first thing is 
having somebody like you, Tim, honestly, in my corner to give me feedback, critical feedback, and not be shy about sort of identifying that for me. So as an example, I know that we have sort of chats offline uh, regularly, or we'll text each other pretty much uh, every day about things that we're working on just to kind of keep each other as kind of accountability partners, I think, in a lot of ways. And one of the things that you've said, I think, several times now, probably over our uh, friendship is that you just identified that I spend a lot of time planning things. And I don't think that it's necessarily always been you coming at it like I shouldn't plan ever again, but it's just identifying for me that I tend to plan, over plan, overthink, uh, dial into every single detail that could possibly happen until I'm absolutely positive that it will succeed. And I think that I've recently been through our conversations more aware of the fact that I'm not always succeeding at things because I'm not trying them uh, or giving them enough uh, sort of uh, room for serendipity for uh, the ability to find out what lessons I could learn to make something better. And I think just in conversation with you, so I, I guess having somebody in your corner um, really helps because for me, as somebody who is an over planner, um, I don't know if I would even have noticed it if until you had mentioned it. So I think that that's, that's a big thing is just to have somebody who can objectively look at and critically look at sort of whether or not you're able to, um, or, or the kinds of person, the kind of person that you are and the, the personality you have, uh, and if you are leaning towards that kind of thing, then it can be identified. I think the other thing that's been helping me recently, though, after I after I had that idea in my head that, okay, well, maybe I don't need to plan as much, is to really just give myself more uh, sort of freedom to fail. And it's not even about failing. It's about giving myself this mental sort of it's okay pep talk, I guess, to to try things. And if they don't work, it's okay because I can just do something else or I can try something else and and we'll we'll see how it goes. I think the most recent example of that has been we're both on Clubhouse as of this recording, where the Clubhouse app itself is essentially for anybody who's not aware, it's an audio social media app where you create these rooms and have conversations with other people, but it's all audio based. And you and I, Tim, have been trying it for uh, the past several weeks now. And I think that if I had planned it to death, I don't know if I would have even started, honestly. But now I just sort of told myself, okay, I'm going to show up, come hell or high water every, you know, at least once a week. And I'm going to put myself out there. And I don't know how well it's going to go, but this process of, almost the anti-process, you know, the anti-planning, the anti uh, sort of just, I'm just going to tell myself to show up and whatever happens, happens has actually helped me grow much faster than if I had said, okay, well, I have to have the perfect mic and I have to have the perfect setup and I have to have the perfect everything. I don't know if I would have even really started. So I, I think those are the two big things. Have somebody in your corner and then just 
give yourself the uh, sort of ability to fail and then just put it into put it into action. Yeah, it's it's fascinating that you say it the way that you do because ultimately it's it goes back to this idea that I've had since this first mini lesson is about finding balance. It this is a good moment to mention that I'm finding people lean to either side where they're either an over planner or they are an overdoer in the sense that some people plan so much that they don't even get to execute on the idea. Whereas some people don't plan at all. And that's what we're about to get into. Because I went from being an over planner in my life to eventually becoming a doer. Once I switched from being the over planner to being a creator, I found myself leaning too far into that side of my projects that I would actually discover errors that I could have easily avoided with just a little bit more planning in the beginning. I would dive headfirst into a project, stay hyper-focused on making it, and then I would forget the bigger picture that I was actually working towards. It led to a lot of wasted effort and time. Knowing that I needed just a little bit more planning, I started to take a step back and figured out how much planning I needed to feel comfortable enough to pursue the project. And that's where balance comes in. This continual refinement of finding my balance between how much planning is required to successfully create the project is never going to end, but it will get to a point where my process is almost always the same. Whenever we talk about this idea of planning, Mike, I know on Clubhouse, you're jumping right in headfirst with very little planning. I'm actually approaching it from the way that I've learned how to pursue projects now, which is that I'm not over planning but I'm also not just jumping in and executing because I found that for me, if I just jump right in with just a topic at hand, I won't be able to talk about something at the level that I love talking about it. So I do involve myself a lot more in the process of planning for everything I do now, but I do it just enough to get me clearly art- articulated in my own head on where my vision for that thing, that project, that clubhouse room is going to go. And once that vision is clear, that plan is done. I don't care if the plan, if the spelling of the words in that plan are right or wrong. I don't care if the grammar is right or wrong. The purpose of the plan was to help me see the potential paths that I'm going to take. And once the path is laid out, I jump in and I do it. That way, the things that I do has something guiding it, but it's not down to the nuts and bolts. It's not the size of a pen or pencil I'm using. It's not the color of it. It's merely the bigger vision and the little pieces that will stick in here and there that I need to remember because it's a massive part of the concept. But if it's not a bigger part of this picture and it's more about the nitty gritty, I leave it out. And that to me is the balance. It's this act of taking everything you think you need, distilling it into the bigger ideas, and then executing on those ideas. If you don't do that, you might get caught up in planning so much that you never execute, or you might execute and always run into mistakes and errors that actually mess up a project. So I'm curious to know what your thoughts are on this idea of balancing, and if you feel like you've found that balance in your planning and execution process. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because I feel like I'm in the middle of finding what that is. So maybe that's why it's a perfect part of this conversation to have because I think that I will always be to some capacity leaning more towards planning uh, over executing. And that's just part of my personality. That's part of who I am. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to overly fight that um, because I think that there are advantages to advantages to that. One example I can think of uh, off the top of my head, Tim is, so if we look at the way that I'm using a, an app like notion um, so notion is sort of a, if anybody who is unfamiliar with it, think Evernote or Trello kind of 2.0 and it allows you to create databases and pages and notes. And we're actually using it right now to have this conversation as sort of notes in the, the behind the scenes. Um, and I have been experimenting with it as a way to organize my life, organize my, my thoughts and ideas and keep everything in one sort of big picture location. Um, but the, the kinds of things that I'm, I'm, integrating into that app are very nuanced and very detailed and very uh, sort of elaborate and maybe overly so in some cases. And the reason I bring that up is because that almost um, organized chaos is what allows me now to sort of give myself the permission, I think, in some ways to experiment with other, other things. So what I mean by that is I, my personality requires me in some ways to be hyper-organized, to be hyper-aware of all the things that are happening at once and then putting them somewhere in this like archive or, you know, whatever, putting it in this box allows me to now separate that a little bit from uh, the pressure that I put on myself. And found that doing something like that for me as somebody who overly plans is allowing uh, some of this searching for, you know, I like I would prefer in a lot of ways as a person who plans a lot to be more spontaneous. And I think in some areas of my life, I am very spontaneous and in others, I am just not at all. And when it comes to planning projects, Tim, I, I really liked your point about how you try to now approach things like clubhouse or what have you as the way that you've developed for yourself as a, a project process. Um, I think that I'm just kind of in the middle of bridging the gap between being somebody who was sort of confined and paralyzed in a lot of ways by overly organizing and trying to find methods the, like the one I just described to give myself that permission, separate the, the overly organized part of my brain and almost like give it room, you know, like just put it to the side. I know it's not going anywhere. I, it's like a safety net. I don't have to worry about it. Um, I'm not going to lose my, my, it's like almost like a bookmark in my brain of like, I'm not losing my place. Um, and that allows me to just, you know, the notes that I have for a clubhouse room now, as you know, are just like three or four bullet points. I ask a couple questions in, in my notes and then that's it. And I've been trying to be more spontaneous and more, um, uh, let's say more organic about my conversations. So I think the one thing I would say that's kind of coming out of this conversation is if you want to be one or the other, and you find yourself being the opposite, 
try to do what the other person, like imagine what that other person would be uh, doing. So if you're more spontaneous, imagine what a, a very organized person would be doing and try to maybe introduce more organization into your life. Or for me, as the opposite, try to uh, add some chaos, honestly. Yeah. And to build on that, I actually think what we're trying to do with balance is not to find the 50-50 mark. You're not trying to find a middle of planning and executing. What you're actually trying to find is yourself. You want to find what that balance means to you. If you are perpetually an over-planner, there might be a reason why you plan a lot. So maybe it's a 60-40 where you plan 60% of a project and then you execute and that's the 40. You might be someone who needs to do in order to get a better idea of the plan. So you might actually do more, and that might be a 70% split, and then 30% of the planning. And that is a perfect tie to the next mini lesson in this series. Once you start identifying where you land on that spectrum of balancing, and you start to identify where you might be, the next lesson that I would teach myself is to determine what, I'm personally, what I personally need to plan and what I can pursue with less planning. And that's really important because it requires a lot of self-awareness. I feel like there are projects that we're all inherently good at developing. Some of us might be great at a conceptual design phase of a project, and all we need is a hard copy of a design brief to reference as we're working. Other people might be really good at the nitty-gritty details of a project, and all they need is the concept design. They need something in front of them so they can start jumping into the detail. To me, the areas that require planning are the areas that are outside of the ones that we're good at producing. As we start to plan our strategies for fulfilling our areas of weakness, we'll eventually reach a point where we can plan less before proceeding with the project. The innate abilities that we develop as we practice will offset the amount of time and focus that we need to plan that we need to spend on planning the project. When I think about the ways that I've gone from being a planner to being a doer, I also realized that for me, I'm really good at jumping into projects in the design areas of it. But when it comes to actually thinking about how everything ties together and explaining it in a very coherent way from beginning to end, that's where I still struggle. And that's where I find a lot of creative people struggle. Being able to tie that thread and tell a story of a project is the one thing that I think every creative person can always work on improving. As I'm designing a project, I can definitely see the little parts and pieces and how they might come together. But I don't need a full-on plan for making that project happen. What I actually need is the start of the story to explain that project. So when I go into the planning stages of all my projects now, I always start by coming up with the vision for it. What am I designing and why am I designing it? What am I trying to teach and how am I going to teach it? And as I come up with these ideas, I develop a very brief outline for it. And when I feel comfortable enough and I can see how it's going to play out, I jump into the project. And the reason why I do it this way is because now I'm actually recording everything for my YouTube channel. So I need to know the shots that I'm going to have to take with my camera. If I don't have those shots outlined ahead of time, I might miss a critical shot that should have been part of that video. 
And if I miss that shot, sometimes I can't go back and re-record it because I don't have that same exact material and I don't have that moment that I was capturing with the same lighting. So it's better to have the outline because it'll save me time later. But because I have that story, I can now identify the shots that I need to make sure I take. When it comes to the design side, I don't really plan that at all anymore. I don't have that as any part of my planning process. All I need is the general idea of what I'm going to design and I jump into it. So for me, when I'm determining what I need to plan, it's more of that storytelling aspect to make everything link and tie together. And what I don't need to plan now is the design of the project itself. Because over time and ex- through the experience that we have from practicing, you, in, you inherently start to build these set of skills that you can apply kind of like Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi and the way that he taught, that you've been repeating these motions so much that it's not about that process of actually creating the thing you're trying to create. What you really need is the bigger idea of what you're doing. And with that idea, the motions are pretty repetitive. It might change here or there, or the sequence might be a little bit different. But once you know how to do the thing, all you need is why you're doing it. And that's where I am with design. And that's where I'm hoping to get to with storytelling for all of my projects. Do you have anything that relates in this sense to what I'm talking about, Mike? Uh, yeah. And I guess, first of all, I just like to commend you on bringing uh, Mr. Miyagi and Karate Kid into this conversation because I think that was a, a really great point. Um, but also uh, on a more serious note, I, I'm actually dealing with this uh, right now in real time in terms of the project that I, you know, I'm working on. But uh, for anybody who's not aware, I'm writing my first book. And the thing that uh, we haven't really talked about too much directly, Tim, you just know that I'm kind of in the shadows writing, <laughs> writing the book. And I, we, I haven't really told you much about my process, but I think it's pretty close to what you just described where I started with the big idea. It's a book about burnout. It's a book about, it's a book about helping somebody through burnout and to sort of redesign their lives in a way that prevents it either from happening again or from happening altogether if possible. And the way that I kind of approached it was I created an outline for the overall almost like three act arc of the book that I wanted the transformation. Like I wanted somebody to go through the transformation from one end to the other. And it was pretty much a three act arc of what would that person need to understand? What would they need to change? And then how would they execute that? So I created that outline and then that became a smaller sort of series of chapters. Each chapter has its own theme or lesson. Um, But the thing that might uh, surprise you a little bit here, Tim, is that I actually reverse engineered the process in such a way where I'm at the point now where I'm actually trying to to tell the stories that teach each of those lessons, but I'm I'm doing that after I actually wrote the meat of like the the tactics and the strategies to to actually execute on them. And I did that deliberately because I knew that I wanted to start at the um, and this is even how my outline is formatted. I started with this plan of okay, if nothing else, I need to 
tell these five or six lessons, right? And I need to share this data, this experience, this whatever. And that's the goal. If I do nothing else, you need to walk away from this book with these five or six ideas. And now I'm at this point where I'm starting to figure out what are the stories that make the most sense to help teach those ideas. And if I didn't have that outline and I did it the opposite way and I just start telling stories, I don't know if I would actually end up teaching those lessons in that way. So having that outline was very helpful to me in this process because if I didn't have an outline and I just started writing a book on burnout, um, as you know, Tim, I'm very verbose and would probably go on forever about this or that or whatever. But having that just that outline, that that kind of sense of a uh, a plan helped me then reverse engineer the overall sort of uh, stories, the intents, the lessons um, that I was trying to get to. So yeah, it's almost exactly what you were describing before. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the book that you're writing because it actually relates to the next mini lesson in this series. So just to go over the ones that we talked about, the first one was finding balance between planning and doing. The one that we just talked about was determining what you actually need to plan and the things that you can innately do, which require less planning. And now this one relates to your whole process of writing the book because you started writing the book at one point and then you stopped and then you picked up again and restarted. And this next part might actually be something that relates exactly to that feeling that you went through. And it's this idea of just trying new things without overthinking them. I find that the issue that most creative people run into is that we have so many ideas for different projects that we want to pursue. Some of these projects fall within our expertise and others might actually be something completely different. That's like what you're doing, Mike, with writing. You're not always writing a book. So when you got into that process, it was something brand new to you. This is where planning can actually be a detrimental part of our process. I remember when you were first planning to write the book, you spent months in the planning process and you spent even longer in the thinking process of what the book could be. And as you were doing that, I remember how much time was spent. So for me, as I think about this whole lesson here, the ideas that came up for me is that if we never did something, that we're interested in doing now, there's really no way to truly come up with a plan that's going to work. In other words, no matter how much we study swimming by reading about it, we're never actually going to learn how to swim until we get into the water and experience what it is and what it's like. Instead of planning every step of the way, I feel like we need to get a broad understanding of what we're trying to accomplish, get a general idea of how it can be accomplished, and just jumping in with the intention of learning through experience, just give it a try. To me, that's exactly what you did with the book writing process. You didn't write a book in the past. And even though you were writing for your blog, you might have had skills in writing, but it doesn't apply one-to-one with writing a book because writing a book is totally different. And I know that when you jumped into that process, finally, of actually trying to write the book, I got to witness how much you learned about book writing in that short span of time to the point where you said, 
okay, the book isn't going the way that I envisioned it would. Let me take a step back and reconvene and let me actually plan how I wanted to do it. It was because you needed to get your feet wet by actually jumping in and diving headfirst into book writing. I find that creative people love thinking about so many cool ideas, but very few of us have the will to jump in and just test it. When I think about it for me, the one thing that I still struggle to jump right into doing is hand sketching. I can't just pick up a pen and jump into hand sketching. I don't know why I can't do that. But I know that if I try and do it, the first thing that happens in my head is I go through a planning process of what am I trying to sketch? How am I going to sketch it? And what is it going to look like in the end? Instead of saying, I'm going to use this sketching process to help me figure out an idea. So let me just jump in and figure it out as I go. I think that last part is where most creative people are afraid of jumping in and letting the process show you where it's going to lead and trusting in the process because through that process, you'll figure out a better way of doing the thing you're trying to do. So I'm curious, Mike, from the book perspective that you were talking about, how was it as you were going through that process of attempting to plan before doing, jumping into doing, and then actually taking a step back and planning when you had the experience what went through your mind through that entire process? Yeah, um, it's I, I'm, it's a long story, but I'm going to keep it pretty short because I, I think I, we can we can get to some uh, good lessons for everybody. The you said that the uh, book process started uh, has actually happened twice. It actually happened three times. Um, so in early 2020, and this is before the pandemic started. I was thinking about and planning uh, a book of some kind. And originally, I actually thought it was going to be a book. My goal for 2020 was to write a book on career development and personal development. I don't know if you remember that. But this was based on the idea of sort of gamification uh, meets nerd culture meets career. And the idea there was that it was very uh, connected to the Evolving Architect brand, the kind of blog brand that I had created for myself that was to help creatives and designers and architects sort of develop their careers and their lives. And it was something I was very interested in. I had written about it a little bit. And what changed for me was actually this uh, conference that we both participated in, uh, the Young Architect Summer Series, where I was asked to talk about burnout and my experience with it because the host of that conference, uh, a mutual friend, Mike Rasika, had actually seen me talk about it in, in, in reality at a, another conference and wanted me to come speak about it. And I was like, okay, I'll just do the same thing. But what happened to transition that to sort of, um, or what kind of the flip the switch for me was the reaction that people actually had to the, the, topic of burnout. And I saw in a lot of people's eyes and a lot of the feedback that I got from that, that everybody was sort of struggling with that. At that point, it was sort of in the early middle stage of the pandemic, everybody was dealing with burnout in some 
way or another. And I just felt like I had already been struggling for months prior to that, trying to, as you said, Tim, get this idea off the ground. And I didn't really know what to do. I've, I just felt like I was spinning my wheels over planning. And I felt that that purpose, that real singular purpose to help people transform themselves or their lives really kind of gave that that book writing spark a little bit of a jolt. And I think that that's important as we kind of talk about this, because sometimes the thing that really brings um, execution forward uh, out of planning mode is this, why are you doing it mentality? Like, what is the purpose behind the thing that you're doing? If it's a strong enough purpose, like I need to get this book in the hands of other people because it's going to help them. Uh, Like I literally in my uh, I have a, this is not going to surprise you, but I have a, um, a like a, a notion uh, page set up for my, my book. And in it, it basically says, uh, this is a, kind of like, um, uh, I, I wrote like a, uh, a status uh, journal to myself and I've been, I've been logging this process. But the first thing that I said to myself was, Mike, you need to write this book because if you don't write this book, who else is going to write it? And you need to write it for, and I'm not going to list their names, but I, I met people who dealt with burnout and I, I wrote in my little prompt to myself, you need to write it for these people. Like if, if these people are struggling with it, write it to them, write it to help them, write it to help other people like them. So I switched into this other mode, which is phase two, we'll call it, um, where I was very inspired. I had that purpose, but I still got stuck in this planning mode. I still had this like Mike Lavalley, I need to plan everything down to the wire mode. And that's where you saw me kind of stumble and over plan and, and kind of, uh, still struggle with this idea of, you just got to do it. And I kept, I think not starting it properly because I had this fear that now I had put this purpose behind it, but I didn't have the, uh, I was afraid that I was going to do poorly somehow. And, Somebody that I, as I went into phase three, which is what kicked off what you're experiencing now and and seeing this transformation happening in my writing, I read a couple books. Um, One of them included the one thing uh, by Gary Keller. And it sort of illuminated the idea that I just need to do this one thing that is going to be sort of... um, not necessarily the thing that I'm known for, but the thing that if I do it now, uh, everything after that will become easier uh, for me moving forward in terms of the voice that I'm sharing, uh, the ideas that I'm sharing. And I just need to get that that idea, that one thing out there to the world. Um, and that sparked me to just, just do it. And so for the last several weeks, I've given myself this sort of uh, mini deadline every day that, or this kind of habit that I'm tracking where I have to write 500 words a day. doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't, but it has to be towards the book. I think I've gotten stuck before where I'm like, okay, well, I'll create a habit where I can write anything and I'll do anything. And I get almost into this shiny object thing where I just start doing other things. 
but by giving myself this guided, I'm going to write towards this book 500 words every day. And I'm not going to stop until I get to the point where I can sit down, look at the first draft and edit it from there. And honestly, that's like the best thing I've ever done towards this project. And probably I'll, I'll take that into other projects where you have to have that outline. If I didn't have that outline, I'd be completely lost. You have to have that purpose to like really understand why you're doing it to like fuel you on the days where you just don't want to show up. And you also have to have that kind of uh, kick in the ass almost every day, or at least on a regular basis where um, you are showing up to some days are messy, man. Some days are not easy days. And some days are, I would rather be doing anything other than writing. Um, but I know that by going through those reps, I have now gotten to this place in my book writing where I can see the threads come together where I couldn't see them before because I know what's missing. I know what I have to write and I couldn't have done that if I didn't just execute. Yeah. And, and that leads to a really big idea for me that I've started to witness happening more and more. It's this idea that as people start to plan something that they haven't done before, they're trying to plan themselves into a place where they develop a recipe that they can follow that leads to an exact outcome. They also wait for the perfect moment to start. And there's really no way that I can see anyone coming up with a clear recipe if they haven't cooked something before. Until you actually put in the practice of doing that thing and you learn the nuances around it and what kinds of thinking are required as you're doing it, I don't think you can actually come up with a clear plan. And when you're at that level, it's not actually a plan. You're writing something down to solidify it because you know that that method is tried and true. And that's where I think we need to start to step away from what a plan is versus what a recipe is and what the next mini lesson is, which is developing a system. So let's jump into that. And before I do, I'll just go over the mini lessons that we've talked about so far. The first one was finding your balance between planning and doing. The second one was determining what you actually need to plan and what you can do with less planning. The one that we just talked about was trying new things without overthinking them. And now I just want to take the, a moment to talk about this last part of this lesson to my younger self, which is to know the difference between developing a system versus developing a plan. Developing a system requires knowledge and experience within a specific area and a type of project that we're pursuing. I feel like systems create efficiencies in our design process and workflow because they become a guide or a checklist. And that has the possibility of evolving as we learn from every project. I have templates for all my videos now that are very basic, but they at least help me plan out in some way the things that I need to make sure I always do for every video. Other than that, my systems are just evolving as I get better at what I'm doing and I find more things to be pertinent to the process. Whereas when you're developing a plan, it's something that's so specific to a project that we're about to pursue. It organizes our thoughts and it attempts to organize the different paths and series of steps that we're going to need to take to complete the project. I feel like plans are broad overviews. 
They can also be something that's infinitely detailed, which means you don't actually have a path to something clear. They're just something that you're slowly trying to hype yourself up with or trying to at least create a guide for yourself in a small way. It's a vision that you have and it's reasons to pursue it. To me, that's what a plan really is. It's your attempt at doing it in your own way and taking something from A to Z. So to me, I feel like the space between a plan and a system is where we actually want to be. It's not too broad where we don't actually know the major items that we need to complete. And it's not too detailed where we overanalyze a project and we run out of time to pursue it. The big lesson that comes out of this one for me is to make sure that you develop systems for efficiency and you have plans that give you purpose. I have a lot of systems. Some are written out. Some are ingrained in my memory. There are things that I do because I've been practicing for so long. That practice is refining the system as I continue to, to do the same types of projects and apply the same systems I've developed. When I think about my plans, they're the beginnings of the project and they're the reasons why I decide to pursue it. There's that big idea and there are the small little nitty gritty things that I know are going to be a part of it. But once I have that in place, I apply all of the systems I've developed and I go through the process of creation. And to me, that's the beauty of going through this virtuous cycle that you come up with this overview, you jump into it by applying systems of the things you've been doing, and you refine those systems as you go. And what comes out at the other end is a beautiful project that you actually finish. And that's the biggest part of this, that most creative people who are pursuing personal projects tend to not finish all of them. And I know that that's something that you struggled with too, Mike. And it's something that you've always pointed out about me, that all the projects I've pursued, at the very least, have always had an ending, whether it was a video, whether it was a final rendering, or if it was a physical product, they were always completed and I would then move on to the next one. And what I always told you was that for me, I need to complete the project to close the book on it. And I'm curious from your perspective, what was it in the past that kept you from completing your projects and moving on from them? And what do you think about this idea of a plan and a system? Yeah, so I guess I'd like to start at least commenting first on the system versus a plan, because I think that's a really sort of uh, beautiful description of what what you really need to think about when you're executing a project, right? So the, the plan is going to be specific to whatever that project is, right? It's going to be, there's going to be parameters on, you know, if you're designing a building versus if you're designing a website versus if you're designing a logo versus whether you're, uh, working on anything creatively. It doesn't matter really what it is. You could be painting a painting and it, it would still have a, uh, a plan of like what you're trying to achieve with that painting, uh, whether that's something formal or just something that you're uh, playing around with as an idea. But then this idea of the system, I think is important too, because I've noticed that as 
I've developed a writing habit as an example. The system has been very helpful to, and in my case, as I described, this just showing up and writing 500 words is a method or a system for me to attack the problem at hand, right? The plan of the overall book is specific to the book. It has a timeline that is far greater than most projects I work on uh, that I've <laughs> timelined the death out of, uh, to death uh, in uh, Notion, uh, where everything has a, uh, a milestone. It's got a, a window of, of time. There's a schedule and everything has to line up to some degree. But that system, helps me to sort of approach the project now in a way where I don't have to think about it as much. And I think that's something that's helped me a lot is when I take the over-controlling perfectionism out of the, pro out of the process by creating a system like that, it helps me achieve something and get towards that finish line. So I, I like the, the idea of having this blend of a system and a plan because I don't think you can really, you can make a project happen by having a system and executing it properly. But if you don't have a plan, you might not end up anywhere remotely valuable. And I think the opposite can happen where if you have a plan, but you don't have a system to enact that plan, then you may never even start that process, which is kind of what we described before with the book. So I just thought that that was a really great um, way of thinking about it. And one I'm going to steal now actually for um, <laughs> my own stuff. Yeah. And, and just as you were speaking, I think a, a good way of explaining it too, at least in my mind, is that most people don't actually get caught up in the plan. Where people get caught up is that they actually make this, this invisible, they cross the invisible line from planning to developing a system. And where people get caught up is that they're trying to come up with a system for something they, they have never done before. So instead, if you view the plan as the major ideas, the key ideas, and the points that you're going to, to make through whatever you're doing, and you end that plan there, and you identify the next step as the system, which is how you're going to do the thing, you can do both of these things simultaneously. But you need to have that clear separation of this is the plan. This is my system of achieving it. And that system, if you've never done it before, can't be a finite thing. But if you've done it in the past, it's something you can rely on with a bit more pride and a bit more um, clarity. And as you start going through that system, you refine it as you go because you get better each time. But the first time you come up with the system will be the hardest because you need to know when to stop developing the system and actually applying it and experimenting through testing. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a great additional point there. Um, to answer the other part of your uh, question, I think it comes down to something that I actually just read um, called "Finish" by John Acuff and. In that book, he talks a lot about this idea of it's a it's kind of about starting and finishing projects, but it really comes down to this theme of winning against perfectionism and beating perfectionism back and really just in some ways settling for less than what you might have initially tried to achieve. But then by doing so, you're actually able to finish and achieve that goal. Um, and you're more likely to find 
sort of this magic in the the result of that goal than if you had just tried to sort of bulldoze your way through and then ultimately perfectionism gets perfectionism gets the best of you that fear of not achieving perfectionism gets the best of you and you're unable to actually complete the goal. So I think honestly, after reading that book, I was like looking in a mirror because I was thinking to myself, I've read a lot of books about how to set goals, about how to finish goals. But at any time that I actually sat down and tried to execute them, I would always have goals that were either too big for what I really needed them to be. Uh, I would it's kind of the analogy I would I would say is it's like for somebody who's never really ran before in their life to start saying, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to run 26 miles and I've never been a runner in my life, but that's what I'm going to do. Whereas really the, the first goal should be something like, I'm going to run a mile or I'm going to run half a mile or I'm going to walk a 5k or, you know, like I'm going to do something that's half that goal or less. And set my expectations to something that I can build upon. And I think the thing that I've always struggled with is it's come up in conversations we've had in prior lessons here, Tim, where I've always tried to achieve this kind of sense of greatness for myself, uh, whether that was necessary or not. And because of that, I've always in a lot of the projects gone back and I can think of this one project I've told you about several times where I keep coming back to this one lake house I designed where I can't not redesign this lake house. And it just keeps being this thorn in my side. Like I, I, I keep coming back to it. I'm going to use the knowledge that I had, you know, after a couple more years of being an architect and I'm going to, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it better. And it's just like, Mike, you just got to like settle down and like, let it go. It's done. Like it's not, it's not something you got to do again. And I think that that, that for a long time, that fear of it's not perfect. It's not what I wanted it to be has crippled my ability to just uh, do things that are better. We talk about projects like uh, the new stuff that I'm working on versus this idea of this evolving architect blog and how I'm probably better for it in the long term now to pursue something that is more true to the ideas and the things I want to write about now, like this burnout book, than to hold myself back and talk about things that I'm not really interested in anymore uh, in the same way. I'm still interested in architecture and helping people with their careers, uh, like I did with that blog. But there's something that has changed for me, and I think it's okay to just know the difference between uh, the projects that you uh, should just like. At some point, you just need to let the projects that you're working on go. Put that's why I love your process in some ways, and I, I'm jealous of it because I I think it's it's bled now into what I'm doing a little bit more, and I needed it to because otherwise I'd just be in this like never-ending cycle of okay, I'm designing this house again. Yeah, I remember hearing you talk about it before, and it always surprised me because I know that it's not just you, Mike. It's, I would say, 75% or more of creative people dwell on a project and never want to have a deadline. I even see it with the partners at the firm where I'm working. These partners at the architecture firm will continually design a project to the midnight hour before the morning of the presentation to the client. And they'll keep pushing that morning and they'll keep trying to push for perfection to show that we're the best. And it gets to a point where 
I think all firms do this, where it's about competing with someone else and overcoming and showing that we're great. But there's also aspects to this whole idea of planning and doing more that is bigger for all of us. It's this idea that if you always dwell on a project and try and make it the best thing ever and the most perfect project that you could have ever designed, then to me, you would never have ended one project in your life because there's never an end. By the time you finish any design project, the systems you've developed and the plan you had in place were fully executed. And so you were able to achieve that goal. But now that you refine it even more, you're actually going on to a brand new type of project. But what you're doing is you're limiting the ability that you have to learn through that process by just applying what you learn for one project back to itself instead of applying what you learned from that project to the future ones. To me, the reason why I'm now planning less and doing more and letting go of projects is because I'm finding that with every new project I pursue, the things I'm applying and the feedback from it at the end, the lessons I learn are that much greater. And as I continue to do that, by the time I look back at the first project that I would have wanted to continue refining, it would be totally different than had I just continued to refine it in that moment. So letting go and moving on from that project that you always want to make perfect is so hard to do. But when you know that it's only going to help you grow by pursuing the next project and the next project and the next project and diversifying your experiences, the better you're going to get at everything you're doing as a creative person. And that's why it's important to me to know this process of planning and doing because you need experience by doing something. And if all you ever do is get stuck planning, you never truly get the experience that helps you plan better and have bigger visions and develop better efficient systems to help you execute on every single project. And I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to add to that, Mike, but that was the point that I wanted to end this episode on. Yeah, it's not one of your mini lessons, but it is something that I think has, I was just thinking about as we've gone through this process, and I wanted to get your take on it because I do think that it also blends in well with what we're talking about. It's this idea of taking on multiple projects at once. And I think that we're kind of saying that the, the advantage of planning less and doing more is that you're able to do more by, if you plan less, execute on something put a bookmark on it or, or kind of close the book on it, you're able to then move on to something else. And I kind of wanted to get your take on how your process relates to either doing multiple things at once or not, or how you approach that. I used to do a lot of things all at once. And there was a moment when I learned through a lot of experiences that I can still work on multiple projects all at the same time. But what I mean by the same time is that when I am working on one project during the day, that is the only project. Every other project is on hold. I don't care what my thoughts are about it. I don't care any ideas that come up. All I care about is the one at hand. Because the issue that I've, I've also found my colleagues and I running into is that we get so caught up in trying to multitask 
that we actually do a disservice to the project and ourselves because we're not self-aware through the whole process. We're not paying full attention and we're actually wasting double the amount of time than if we just focused on one thing, one time for a duration of time before taking breaks. And that's the other important part of it, that within any plan and system, it's important to build in that time for focus and that time for breaks too. As you're working, what are all the tasks you're trying to hit and what duration of time? And if you don't hit it in that duration, carry it over to the next time block, but give yourself a moment to rest so that you can come back and be fully present as you design. So for me, I love juggling multiple projects, but each time I jump into one, I only do that one. And by multiple projects, I never focus on more than three to five at one time. Because if it goes beyond that, there's no way I'm going to keep interest in all of them. My maximum right now is actually three. If I have five, that means that the last two are just general ideas that I might let go of. But the top three are the ones that I can juggle for a month. And if it doesn't come out at the end as being a project worth having, then I let go of the ideas. Because when you have too many ideas in flux and you're trying to plan and develop systems for each one, you end up going into that crazy cycle where you never end. You're just constantly planning this project, that project, that project, that project. You never get to a point where you say, okay, all of these are fully planned. Let's just start doing them now. And that's the last part of my answer to your question that it's important to know not to try and plan five projects in one sitting. Like, Don't sit down and just plan five projects. Sit down and focus on one, maybe two. Then when you have more free time and you have another idea, sit down and plan project number two. If you want to try and plan five in one day, you're going to burn yourself out and you're not going to want to pursue any of them because now you're just meshing and, and compiling every idea you had for each project into each other. And you will end, actually see at the end that all of your ideas became a melting pot. And every project has some kind of element to it that all looks the same. So I'd like to try and develop plans and systems for a project at one time for one project. And then I move on. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And I, I take a, a fairly similar stance now on the kinds of projects that I'm doing, partially because of what you just said uh, in terms of burning myself out. I can't really take on more than a couple projects. I, I think of it a little bit in terms of, I have one major project on my plate, which is this book that I'm writing. And then I have sort of passive things that are more, uh, whether it's uh, writing uh, a blog post or, or doing something like that, where there's like these mini projects that I kind of sprinkle in, in, in between. But I think that to have more than, like you said, a couple at a time, is really doing a disservice to all of the projects and yourself. So I like the way that you put that. And I think that's, it's really, uh, this was a really great conversation. And I, I'm glad you brought this topic up because I know I struggle a lot with, uh, with planning. So it was good to, to talk it out. Yeah. And I think that's a good point to end this episode on. Thanks everyone for joining us today. We just talked about planning less and doing more and make sure you join us next week where Mike is going to bring another lesson to his younger self, which is this idea that burnout is real.
So make sure you tune in then. And until then, we can't wait to see you and hear from you. So make sure you tweet at us and that you share this podcast episode with your friends. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Unpacking Design. Check us out anytime at unpackingdesign.com. And you can also find us on iTunes and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Please remember to leave a review and share this podcast with someone you know. Mm -hmm.